Let's get ready to podcast. Welcome in Team Rhino Podcast. Steven here with Chris. Chris, Ernie, what's up? Uh, just playing off the cold a little bit. Other than that, uh, pretty tough week once again on the on a Michigan front. Yeah, it's uh, it's been grim days here at the Him Jarbaugh Show for uh, a few weeks now. Really, a majority of the season. Yeah, I know we're very de- we're a very depressing group. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a mixture of not only Michigan's lack of success in the big games, but uh, also the moronic fan base that we have to be a part of and uh, moronic fan bases that we have to deal with uh, hearing about on a day-to-day basis that there's just, there's just too many morons. I'm not excluding myself. I'm probably a moron too, but uh, there's uh, too many morons uh, talking about too many things. To me, uh, I had some awesome fans on, you know, or I started reading some, some comments on Facebook and other blogs about how they wish they had Hulk back. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Are we at that point? I don't think we've gotten to that point. I'm sorry. So, uh, yeah, the moronic fan bases, our own fan base, and just yeah, lack of lack of wins, lack of wins in big big games, starting to take a little bit of a toll. Yeah, we touched on it last week. Uh, Michigan has finished the regular season eight and four, which is what. Las Vegas had pegged them to do on the betting odds. Obviously, going through the schedule in the games, they probably could have won uh, one of the losses. And uh, I don't know if they were really in danger of losing any of the games they won, but uh, it could have been differently. But this is essentially what most people thought they were going to be. And uh, I don't know. I don't think people at the beginning of the season would have expected uh, this level of uh, negativity getting their predictions right well like I said um, in, in previous weeks Michigan State you know they, they've been they outperformed the, the Vegas odds so I guess a lot of our fan base was basically hoping for that and it didn't it didn't uh, come to fruition no no it did not uh, let's let's not waste any time here let's get through the uh, the game from this past weekend, uh, how much of it were you able to watch? I got to watch basically the fourth quarter. Um, I was on the court when, you know, every 20 or so minutes I would, you know, ask Siri, you know, Michigan football score and come up. And at first I'm like, 14 nothing. what's going on? Um, you know, uh, it was as soon as I came home, it's like, man, I shouldn't even watch the game anymore. Because as soon as I came home, it just seemed like, you know, all these bad plays kind of occurred last minute, and uh, so from now on, I'm never going to watch the game again. <laughs> so until they win, yeah. no. But I mean, I I rewatched a little bit. I didn't want to. Unfortunately, when you lose Ohio State, you don't want to watch that game and just you know berate yourself watching it. So um, I ended up watching a few plays and 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 taking a few notes, kind of in, you know in my mind. About how they did, and um, you know, it was just—I guess—I guess it's kind of upsetting because they were right in it. And is it more upsetting for them to lose it 
and be really really close or is it better that they don't even they aren't even in the game and you know it's kind of you don't get your hopes up well I think hopefully we, we could both agree on this that at least they were in it and unfortunately a few bad plays um, really really uh, limited uh, you know our, our success rate and it was just tough and I, I take it back to one the one play even before the interception even before you know a couple of the other plays Michigan was down I believe three or four I think it was four actually and we're, we're driving they had a second and one from the Ohio State 36 I believe you know corn went back and tripped over the center and then it was third and four <laughs> and then you know, it was like God has basically said, like, O'Corn should not be quarterback at, at you know, U of M. And that's sad because I'm sure he's a real great guy. And um, I, I do agree with some of the things that, like, the Michigan football Facebook group has posted. Like, you know, we're not going to braid each other. We're not going to put each other down. Guy's still a 23-year-old guy, and he's trying his hardest. I'm sure he's not going out there to try to lose the game. Um he did play a lot better than what I expected, so I got to give him a lot of credit. They, he did keep them in the game. He made some good throws early. Unfortunately, in the fourth quarter, when there were some open guys, he just he missed his throws, and uh, just tough. It was tough. And again, we were right in it, so at least there's that. A lot of best offensive um, play calling all year, I think for by a good amount. So. At least we can see it. You know, the 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 coaching staff came ready for this game, and unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be again. So, you know, it's uh, you said something. There. I mean, O'Corn kept him in the game, and I think that's true for both teams. I think uh, kept Michigan in the game early, and then also kept Ohio State in the game by uh, just kind of not connecting on plays, even when they were still moving the ball and able to score. Uh, he just wasn't connecting on on the plays that a solid Division One quarterback makes, uh, and then he uh, he essentially won the game for Ohio State down the stretch as well. Um, you know, talking about the play where he second and one trips over the the center and falls down. Uh, the, I mean, the interception after the missed field goal is one of the more baffling plays I think I've ever been a part of. Uh, and I do feel bad for the guy, I think. You know, he's, uh, I'm sure he's taking a lot of heat, and there really is not too many John O'Corn fans out there anymore. And, um, you know, for all the Michigan fans that were clamoring for O'Corn the first four games of the year when, when they didn't like how Spade looked, I mean, I, you got what you wanted, I guess. Uh, let's, uh, you know, on this podcast, we've been a big fan of Spade, and we're going to talk about him here in a couple minutes. Um, with his news coming out just on Sunday night. So, yeah, he got what you wished for, and, and it turned out O'Corn really was not. Uh, he had plateaued early on in his career, and he was not a capable quarterback uh, to win big games against good teams. I think if he would be at a lower-end Big Ten team, I think he'd be very valuable. You know, but you're right. I think at the big, you know, this big level, you know, being a top ten or you know top top one of the top programs at in the Big Ten, you know, he's just not up to up to par. And yeah, like I said, it's, I, I feel bad for the guy. 
and uh, I don't wish any harm on him or anything. It's just one of those, unfortunately, one of those, uh, you know, circumstances that we've been so close so many times to beating Ohio State, and we just can't pull it off with a few more plays. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. I'm there with you. It's uh, <laughs> honestly the sting wasn't quite as much as it was last year. Uh, no, I was able no. to watch. I don't know, maybe like eighty percent of the game this past week. Uh, and I, you know, I really I didn't see the first touchdown. I saw the second touchdown, and then from then on, it was pretty much just the kind of the Ohio State show. Uh, you know, they even Michigan, when doing things well, would would trip over themselves a little bit with the uh, they score to get twenty points, and then they they had their extra point blocked, and it's just you know simple execute or execution stuff. You know, the lineman not blocking him, and it wasn't Nordine's fault this time. It really was just the 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 unit in general not uh, performing up to snuff. And um, I tell you what bugged me the most about the game was when Barrett went out and. I tell you, Barrett, I'm almost bummed that he's gone because it's four years of what I think is a pedestrian quarterback as far as, you know, I know he's got all these, you know, records and stuff at Ohio State, and most of that's just longevity. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's a good deep ball passer. I think he can run, and I think he can hit the wide open passes when they're there. Uh, and it's almost a bummer because, I mean, Dwayne Haskins comes in and looks better than Barrett does, uh, if you ask me. But the disappointing thing to me was the defense up to them was playing pretty well. And Haskins comes in the game, and I was just begging them to dirty him up, you know, hit him on one play. You know, Within the first couple plays that he's in the game, you need to shake him up, you know, send extra guys, somebody get to the quarterback, put him on the ground, uh, don't let him get comfortable in there. And I think I was counting. It was like eight to ten plays that he had on offense before somebody touched him in any way. They just let him sit back there comfortable. And and that's really the first time that I can question Don Brown as far as, you know, I'll champion him. I think he's a great defensive coordinator. and uh, Even in losses, I'll defend him. But I was shocked that they let him get comfortable the way they did. And he was able to make some big throws and, uh, looks like a pretty good quarterback for them coming up uh, next few years. Unfortunately, I missed that. You know, when he came in, I got I saw a little more after he got apparently comfortable, or you know, or, or was in the game for a while. But yeah, I could definitely agree with that uh, that theory. You know, he got, he got a brand new guy who was a redshirt freshman, I believe. Uh, you know, got to make him got got to put a lot of pressure on him and see if he can respond to, to some of those blitzes and uh, again I, I think Don Brown is I think it has to be our you know our, our special our, our defensive or coach MVP I think of the year I mean he really has kept this without our defense what would this team be you know and uh, unfortunately maybe he just didn't have he didn't have enough information on him or something like that that he kind of went more safe. Who knows? And I mean, I guess you never know what he called. It could have just been lack of execution on the field. Or, or you're right, maybe they saw something in the film of Haskins from earlier this year that uh, dictated they wanted to sit back in coverage a little bit more. You know, it's just guys winning one-on-one matchups. Uh, that's 
that's really where I, I fault the team from this past weekend. Is uh, that was their chance when Haskins came in the game? They were winning. I think it was twenty to fourteen. Uh, that was their chance if they wanted to shut the door and, and put the nail in the coffin. You know, they needed to get to him, or, and they needed to maybe turn the ball over once. Uh, but no, Ohio State kind of moved up and down the field two drives in a row, got points, and that was pretty much the end of it. It stinks to send off another bunch of seniors with without a loss or without a win, excuse me, to Ohio State. That's been the, you know, the problem I think the last few years is you got in that big game. It's a hard hitting game. It's lot of emotion going on and another class of seniors basically you know are sent out without a win over Ohio State that that has become the norm the past few classes here Um, and we'll see I mean there is streaks in the series I know when it comes to college football and really any sport it's more about you know what have you done lately and what's the most recent streak and things like that people like to forget history or when history is brought up people like to you know disclaim that and, and discount it but you know Ohio State's on this what is it 13 out of 14 years or 14 out of 15 now uh, well yeah I mean hats off to them they've been a better program than us for that time frame and really there was only a few years there where Michigan had a team that was capable of beating them uh, but before that there was a streak of you know Michigan won 18 out of 20 or something against them so it's not like these long streaks haven't happened in the past. They have happened, and and I'm sure there'll be a streak for Michigan sometime in the future too. It's not going to be Ohio State is dominating them for the rest of time, you know, until college football eventually ends or you know whatever it is. So uh, eventually there will be an ebb and a flow, and that's just uh, that's how it works. And right now we're on the uh, the bitter end of it. Going off the logic of better program in the last 10 years to many Michigan State fans they'd be saying that they have the best program by far over Michigan it's like calm it down you've had 10 good years calm down the last time you had a good good program was in the 60s so you went 40 years without really much of a team let's let's dial it back a notch Michigan State fans yeah <laughs> that they're uh they're the uh, group that you and I encounter probably the most uh, yeah, more than Ohio State. You gotta at least give it to Ohio State fans. They're annoying beyond belief, but they at least have a good program and some good fans. State fans, yeah, they're tough. <laughs> yeah. They're tough to deal with. <laughs> I mean, it's like uh, our colleague Dave Janeiro. I sat down at lunch with him yesterday, and we kind of talked about. That's we unfortunate. T- we talked about Michigan Ohio State maybe for like a minute, and then we talked about like the college football playoff scenario for like 25 minutes. And uh, it's he's almost at the point as an Ohio State fan where it's like beating Michigan is, yeah, it's going to happen. Like uh, it doesn't really uh, excite him as much as, you know, it would. And that's uh, that's the real bummer there. But it's uh, I don't think I could sit down with a Michigan State fan and have a really educated talk about other things in college football without – you know, Michigan State beating Michigan uh, recently getting brought up. Yeah. No, I totally, totally agree. It's like, got to be humble a little bit, and state fans don't know how to do that. And, uh, you know, it was easy to be a Michigan fan in the 90s and early 2000s, and ever since, you know, the Hulk and uh, Rich Rod eras, it's been 
tough sailing, but uh, you know, anytime you get a chance to hear a Michigan State person, you know, mention who won the last game, you know, that's all I hear is you know seventeen ten, or you know previous year. What about that? You know that punt? How's that punt gonna go for you? Okay, well, sorry that we beat you guys. You know, I think it was the one time eight out of ten years, and uh, you just didn't have to say anything back then. It's like you're not even in our in our realm. So it's all right. Things will be better. We'll see. Right? Nope. Like I said, it's uh, it's not like Michigan's going to be uh, below Michigan State and Ohio State for the next, you know, 40 years. Uh, that's just not ever happened to a big-time program. So eventually things will happen, and it will turn back our way, and then it will turn away from us again. So uh, we shall see. Uh, from the game this past weekend, can you hand out your offensive-defensive MVPs? Uh, for defensive MVP, I'm going to go – there's a lot of people in there that I really thought could could uh, uh, be in there. I'm going to go with Bush, but I want to give like a little um, nod to Jameric Woods who came in and um, filled in for Canel and did a pretty decent job. Uh, I had to say, I was I was worried about when he came in, when I heard he came in, and uh, he did a pretty good job. I'm going to go with Bush on the defensive side. Offensive side is a little bit tougher for me, uh, but I'm going to go with uh, Chris Evans. I thought he, although he didn't make uh, a ton of big plays, especially actually in the third and fourth quarter when I did kind of see a little bit more, uh, he did tend to have some, some good uh, runs there for, again, six, seven yards, and um, even Higdon was in there for me for a potential MVP, but I'm going to go with Chris Evans. All right, fair enough. I think uh, defensively I'm going to go with Gary. He uh, Even on the broadcast they were saying that he had maybe his best game of the year, and I think he was just picking up the stats a little bit. Uh, looked like a beast. Uh, but, beast. But like most of the defense, you know, where he wasn't to be found on some of those scoring drives, so. Yeah, not the easiest week to pick uh, pick MVPs. Uh, possibly a little easier than last week. I don't know, but um, and I'll go with Evans as well. Uh, at least from what I could hear on the radio, you know, early on in that game, he really was kind of a beast, uh, making plays, breaking tackles, and things like that. So maybe a step forward in the right direction for him. Uh, hopefully, him and Higdon can really continue what they build on in the past uh, month into our bowl game and into next year and, and really, uh, I don't know, look to improve on that next year. Maybe we get some 1,000-yard rushers next year. Huh? I think that should be a clear goal for the team. Yeah, it's still, it's still potential with Higdon. I think he has to make, what, like 120 to 150, something like that around there. I'll make sure I check that out before we maybe do our bowl game predictions. But I know he's, he's it's still capable. I know he was only 200 yards a few games ago, and he's only gotten maybe like 80 yards since then. So um, I still have some hope for Higdon to to get 1,000 yards, and that would be a pretty, pretty good uh, season. So, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, so, I agree. <laughs> that's right. Good job, Bernie. Uh, that's right. And uh, fresh face rankings, any change for you uh, to end the regular season? To end the regular season, I'm going to have to say, no, Kalik Hudson did a fantastic job. I mean, he's just been very, very solid for a true sophomore. Um, you know, the second uh, guy being McKeon, um, McCune, whatever they call him, 
And uh, third, I almost wanted to put, um, um, oh God, I can't even think of his name now. Uh, who was I talking about? I don't even know. What? You know what? Forgot about it. No, but I wanted to put in uh, over David Long, but I, I end up staying with Long. And the only reason I'm doing that is because he's been so quiet that it's a good quiet. You don't, you're not seeing him getting beat for big plays. I'm gonna stick with David Long, so no changes through my through my my list. All right, I have one change. Uh, I got Hudson at one, McKean at two, and I'm moving DPJ into three. Uh, That's what I was thinking yeah. of. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> I almost put him up there, and I was like, eh, he's been quiet, but he just didn't make enough big plays throughout the well, year. So honestly, you're looking at that Ohio State game. He was interfered with about four or five times, and just no call, no flag. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, Ernie. Sing it. Sing the phrases. <laughs> uh, honestly, he, I think, is taking steps forward, is ready to be a number one wide receiver next year, number two. Um, I think you can you know, put him on watch to have a real breakout season next year. Uh, he just looked good. I do, I do think Long's been good, and you're right, he's been quiet, which is good. Um, just that secondary in general. I saw Lavert Hill get beat a bunch of times. And it was uh, and just get beaten by speed. And uh, and I even texted you about Brandon Watson and how he's just a kind of liability. And I think he does a pretty good job covering guys, but guys just keep making plays on him. You know, good teams, good receivers, good quarterbacks, just keep finding the hole on him and and gashing Michigan for big yards. And at some point in time, that's got to be an improved spot. And and we'll see maybe Ambry Thomas can come in next year or Jalen Kelly Powell or something to uh, to bolster some of our depth in the secondary. And a lot of these guys are still like redshirt, you know, freshmen or freshmen uh, that are coming in. And I think next year you're really going to see a little bit more depth needed for this team to be an elite team. Um, you're going to see... You know, we are losing a few guys on the line, Mason Cole being the, the one I'm really thinking of, and Kugler at center, that, um, you know, they're pretty big positions to fill, but I think we got a lot of good um, guards and center prospects for next year. A little bit worried still with the tackle positions. Uh, I hope Newsom's back by then. God, we really need Newsom back, because if we have him back, I think we, we, have, we have a good chance of, of doing pretty well. Um, throughout the season. I mean, there's him and there's year. also, uh, what's a Chuck Filaga, right? Uh, yeah, the guy from Texas. Supposedly a, a darn good uh, lineman. So the lineman, I'm excited to talk about them when we get to our offseason uh, you know, depth chart projections because I do think for the second year in a row it could be an uh, addition by subtraction. Uh, obviously Cole's good. Maybe it's just addition by addition. You know, not even freshman, but just a uh, players that were out and are coming back in uh, will really bolster that front. So, I, I'm, That's one of the only positions I'm really excited to talk about when it comes to the line uh, next year. But um, let's move on to some some topics that have been uh, you know hot takes in the news here. Uh, starting with the, the news coming out Sunday night, uh, Wilton Spate announcing he's got a grad transfer, uh, you know, thanking the program and, and saying he's, you know, had a great time these four years, and uh, it just—it gives you that bad feeling. I don't know about you, but I would—it just gave me a shitty feeling. I felt kind of bad for the guy. And, you know, it, the question I have for you is: 
is this good or is this bad? I mean, it's kind of general and kind of vague, but, you know, what do you think? Is it, is it a good thing that he's gone? Does it clear up the position or is it bad? And, you know, is he one of our – is he our best option that is leaving? Oh, tough one on that last question, but in general, is it good for him? I think it's good for him. I think he's going to go to a nice program. He's going to start there. He's going to, he's going to do well. Um, I think he did take a little bit of a jab at the fans. I don't know if you saw his, his official like Twitter, but he mentioned like all the fans that really supported us. Thank you. And he said it in a little bit different way, but basically said well, those that you know have not really supported us. You know, screw you, basically. Fuck you. He, he got a lot of flack. Yeah, he got a lot of flack. Yeah, and I, to um, be honest, I think and, that's and, completely and, fair. And, and not fair. It wasn't fair. I mean, like I said, a guy was a decent quarterback. Uh, last year, I mean, I wouldn't say it was, you know, Rudock came in and did a really great job. He was just a notch, be- be- you know, behind Rudock for last year. This year, obviously, didn't have the offensive line. It showed on all three quarterbacks that we didn't have the offensive line from last year. Um, I'm happy for him. But, yeah, for depth-wise, depth it's going to be tough. I mean, now you got McCaffrey at, at the second spot, presumably, and you got, obviously, Brandon Peters who's coming back. Good thing, obviously, we kind of know, you know, they got we got Harbaugh's guys in there now. Um, you know, Joel Milton's coming in from next year, and uh, you know, it's 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 kind of nice to see in a sense. But I, for depth wise, I would love to have a fifth year senior on the bench ready to go in. Um, someone reminds me of that is um, is it Matt Gutierrez? Yeah, a while yeah, back Gutierrez. from when when Henny started that first game, he was a fifth year senior. Was supposed to start, or when thought he would start, and they put the freshman in there instead. So, um, you know, I, I think it's uh, from a depth standpoint, it's a little bit dis- disheartening. And again, I, we, we've talked highly about Spate. Is he the most athletic quarterback and best quarterback Michigan has had? No, I mean, I've seen a lot better quarterbacks than him, but he has been very, very solid for what he was, and he really never got us in too much trouble. I would say maybe the one bad game I would think everyone wishes we had back was maybe the Ohio State game, but if you look at that whole season in in general, he was, he was a great quarterback. I think 18 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, and I think most of those interceptions, I think 4 of them were like in the first 3 games, so... He had a good year, and uh, last you know this past year, a little, little bit of struggles, but I still rather have him over O'Corn. And for all the like you mentioned earlier, that that fan base that called for O'Corn, you know, this whole year, you got what you wanted. You, you, no one knows what they're talking about. It seems like not that we're so you know big experts out here. We're not, but I think we can kind of see it for what it's worth. And uh, yeah, it's going to be tough to see him go. Yeah, I, I wish him the best. Uh, I do really like him. I probably like him more than uh, most people do. Uh, I do think, you know, for me, I think he was probably a little bit better than Rudock. Um, if you take Rudock, you know, as a sum of its whole parts, uh, not just, you know, the end of the year Rudock, uh, who looked really darn good against Florida in that bowl game. <laughs> but, uh,. Yeah, I really do like Spade, and, and like you said, I think that for those those fan base uh, who who just demanded we get O'Corn from the start this year, uh, yeah, I mean, it showed Spade is miles ahead of O'Corn in terms of his progressions and, and keeping his eyes up when blitzed and 
uh, stayed in the pocket, taking a hit, and and really, I mean, Alcorn finishes with what, like three touchdowns, six interceptions, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. If he doesn't play in the bowl game, which you know we'll talk about, hopefully Peters is healthy by then. Uh, and as far as depth for next year, I think you're you're right. Uh, it hurts the depth, and it's always nice to have a a fifth year senior or a senior who can be on your bench and behind guys. And who knows, maybe even be your starter if, if Peters really isn't ready. Uh, it's going to be a very young group next year with the uh, with a redshirt sophomore Peters and a redshirt freshman McCaffrey and a uh, a true, true freshman and, and Milton and and they're probably going to need to try go to go out there and get a grad transfer somewhere just to kind of bolster that uh that depth chart a little bit. But sad for Wilton and I like that he took a jab at the fans because. You know, he he got more flack than he deserved, and uh, you know I, I would just wish him the best. We'll see what happens. You know, maybe he goes back to Virginia. He's from Virginia and and plays there, and uh, wish him the best and uh, success. And and we'll see. I, uh, to go back and answer the initial question I asked you: Is it good or bad? I'm gonna lean towards a little bit of good. Uh, just that it, it kind of clears up the muddy waters in the back or. Uh, on the depth chart for quarterbacks, I think we now know it's Peter's job to start the year. Uh, you know, of course, Harbaugh's going to say there's a competition, and we're always going to have competition. But, uh, you know, a warning for those out there right now who are already willing to give up on Peters and, and go to McCaffrey and, and see what McCaffrey can do. Because, shockingly, en- yeah. shockingly enough, I've, I've heard a ton of people uh, – Already say like I don't I want McCaffrey and I don't want Peters in next year. I, I mean, Peters uh, doesn't look like he has it. We really don't know yet. So be careful about that. Be careful about how much you want that backup or second string quarterback in over your starter. And, and let's see how these starters develop uh, through the tough schedule next year. Again, remember what I've mentioned throughout the whole year is that the backup QB is always the most popular quarterback on the team. So, you know, now McCaffrey. And I think McCaffrey is going to be a solid quarterback as well. But I think maybe they're trying to compare him to, like, you know, Christian McCaffrey or something like that where, you know, he's going to be running around the pocket. He's not even close to, to Christian in athletic ability. That's too different. I'm sure he's a great quarterback. There's no comparison in the speed and all that stuff of Christian. So I've seen the highlights of of Dylan and uh, good athletic. Don't get me wrong, but two two different players. He's got some uh, muscle to put on and some weight to gain. Right. Uh, and we'll see. Maybe he's currently been doing that, and uh, I guess we'll see maybe in the spring game uh, how much he's up. But, yeah, he's still got to build that body up to be uh, able to take hits against college players. And we have some, we have one of the best you know strength uh, training coaches in the country. Um, in general, one of the best programs, and I, you've seen a huge difference ever since Hoax guys. Hoax guys seem like every every year we look at the roster to see how much weight gain they've had. And you rarely saw anybody. In fact, I think about um, Dennis Norfleet. That boy didn't. I think he gained maybe five pounds in the four <laughs> years he was there. Three years he was there. You know, some of these other guys have been putting on 25 pounds, so you can see the the commitment from the strength training program. Yeah, which is good. Uh, hopefully he's in there hitting the gym hard. Uh, I mentioned to you yesterday, 
Uh, as I was driving into work, the topic on the radio was to, to grade Harbaugh's first three years at Michigan. And they put a couple of caveats on it. They put, uh, you can't use your expectation level from before his first year, and you can't use his salary as caveats, which is pretty hard because those are two rather big factors when, when, you're, when you're going to grade him. Uh, but I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. I'm going to ask you to disregard his, his salary and to disregard your expectation level uh, the day he was signed or the day he signed to be Michigan's coach and uh, grade his first couple years here. You can do it individually. You can do it uh, you know, each year or as a sum of three years. Uh, go ahead. Doing all three years together, and I'm putting everything together. This doesn't mean always just the coaching part of it and, and the results, but what he's done for Michigan, kind of like the marketing of him going out and being kind of a wild, wacky recruiter and, um, you know, being an ambassador for Michigan. That's been a really good job. Done, he's done a great job recruiting. Now people said when he came in that he didn't really like recruiting. That's obviously pretty false. Um, he's done a great job recruiting. I've uh, gotten some of the best players. We finally started really picking up a lot of players from Michigan again. We, we started recruiting you know, Florida and all these other places really well, but we lost out on our own bases here at, at, in Ohio and Michigan and, like, Pennsylvania. Uh, he's done a really good job of recruiting New Jersey as well. So from that aspect, uh, all together with the results, I'd give him a B, um, B to B minus. And I think I'm giving the B minus one because of the Michigan State blunder and just some of the coaching decisions on offense. I've, you know, there's been games where I've, I've questioned him and his offensive staff. Um, but if you really look at, again, the games that we're supposed to win, we are winning them. And we're usually winning them decidedly. We're not usually having too close of a game. Under Hulk, it seemed like every week we did not know what was going to happen. We could we could blow out a team by like you know twenty five, or we could come down to the last drive and barely squeak out a win. Or a couple times we have lost to teams that we should not be losing to. So for the teams that we need to beat, we have done that. But the bad thing about him is he hasn't got the big win. And you've talked about Dave Gennaro, who's our coworker at work. He mentioned the biggest win that he has under his belt is a 3-9 and nine MSU team from last year. It's the biggest win, and I totally agree. If you really look back at it, that is the biggest win we have. We lost. I think the one that would have would have been is that Florida State game from last year. We had a chance to, to win that, did not. Um, obviously, the Ohio State game, and you could mention the, you know, the block, you know, the block punt. You could mention the Ohio State game with the – with the bad calls, but at the end of the day, good teams beat out and, and kind of overcome and win. And th- these just teams have not done it yet. And just seems like we're just waiting for that that one big win. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the majority of the callers on this radio show and, and the texters which were, I'd say, in the D to, you know, F or E range. Uh, Ernie thinks it's outrageous. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's what it could have been a lot of the outrageous Michigan fans. And there's probably a bunch of uh, Michigan State fans just calling in to pile on because it's pretty easy for them right now to do that. Uh, saying F and, and saying because you haven't beat your biggest rivals and because you only win the games you're supposed to win, you're a failure. 
And uh, it's not necessarily what I kind of subscribe to. Uh, if I were to rate or grade him over three years, you know, I'd start with an A, and then I would knock off some of the things that I think he's not accomplished. And I think losing to your rivals, uh, you know, what is he, one in four, one in five, five one in five, five, over three years, I think that knocks you down a letter grade. And uh, I think not developing a starting quarterback or at least a clear-cut starting quarterback over the three years. Uh, i got to knock him down a little bit more. And then the offensive line really bugs me. Uh, I That's the one area, if I could criticize his, the re- recruiting so far, uh, I wish the recruiting was a little bit better on offensive line. Uh, he is getting good players, and, and the health of them it remains to be seen. But uh, And we've lost on a few recruits that last-minute change. We had a five-star recruit tackle that went to Stanford, Devery uh, Hamilton yeah. a couple of years ago, leave. Uh, we've had a few guys that last minute we had some good offensive linemen, and last minute we had to pick up you know, some three-star guys last minute. And, um, and I so think, we've got a little bit yeah. unfortunate in that aspect too. And I think he can develop uh, three-star guys and a pretty darn good offensive lineman. I just haven't seen it yet. I do think he's capable of doing it, and their staff is capable of doing it. Uh, I just haven't seen it yet. And, um, and we'll see. Well, next, next year, they I, have the I, talent I, I in place. Ben, Go ahead. I would, I would counter that point with Ben Braderson. And a great starting left left guard. I think um, he's good, and I expected a, him to be better at this point in time. As a true sophomore? Yeah, I mean, and I know I, I had high expectations for the guy. I think the only person I've seen be a true sophomore and be a, an elite offensive lineman is maybe... Taylor Lewan, yeah. and that's about all I can think of. Other than that, even some of the, our best players, Jake Long. I mean, he was a uh, he did start as a redshirt freshman, um, and he wasn't elite that first year. So I'll, I'll disagree with you a little bit on that. These guys need time to be in the system to bulk up. And I think next year, offensive linemen to to really. Uh, you know, get into the system and, and gain the weight they need to have and the technique they need to, to use in games. Yeah, you're right. I should be a little bit more patient about that. It, it's just the, uh, I don't know, that's the one thing that Michigan should have. That's, a, you know, for for them to be an elite team and for them to do what they want to do, they got to run the ball well and they got to pass protect. And uh, they really have not been able to do that since Lloyd Carr. And, uh, even with the really good offensive linemen, and, you know, we had, uh, who was the center that we, Mulk, David Mulk, we had for a few years, and and, yeah. and Lawan and other talented guys, and, and Mason Coles now leaving, you know, moving on to, he was a good player. Uh, we just haven't seen an entire unit put together, you know, to be an elite offensive line, and that's something that uh, Harbaugh, I hope, does sometime in the next couple of years. Hello. It'll happen. I have faith. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, going into this offseason, you know, there's been a lot of criticism, especially about uh, Harbaugh and, and Trevno and potentially Pep Hamilton, and, and then maybe the lack of experienced running backs coach because they have Jay Harbaugh as the running backs coach currently, and uh, they do not have a wide receiver position coach, uh, which maybe they could benefit from or not. Uh what changes to the coaching staff would you like to see uh, going into next year? 
if at all? Well, I think Drevno is on the hot seat, but he's been there with Harbaugh everywhere, so I don't think he's going anywhere. Pep Hamilton, though, ever since he's come in, the offenses look stale. It hasn't looked like it needs to look, and I like Jed Fish a lot better. Overall, I think if you're going to see a position change, it'll be Pep Hamilton, but we'll see. Um, for some reason, I think they're going to stick with this guy for at least one more year. You know, give him benefit of the doubt and see what happens. Um, but anything can happen. The one thing about Harbaugh staff is, you know, they usually tend to be pretty highly recruited guys. And so NFL comes calling and other universities come calling and they tend to leave. So I think anything, anything's up in the air right now. I think the only positions I think you're going to not foresee or you're not going to see any changes in the position coaches that I don't think are going to move anywhere is Greg Madison and Don Brown. Other than that, you know, any of those guys could go anywhere at any time, I think. But I think for the most part, those guys are pretty safe. So, yeah. Well, I, I think maybe Pep Hamilton leaves potentially, but we'll see. I agree with you on that. I also think the secondary coach is probably a lock to stay. Uh, I think he's doing a pretty darn good job. Uh, and Tast, you know, this year especially with uh, re, you know, replenishing an entire new secondary and uh, you and I have been talking about how good those those corners have been this year and how good they've been compared to uh, where we thought they might have been uh, early on in spring ball and, and in fall camp and things like that so I do think he's done a nice job uh, I think there's a chance Pep Hamilton just leaves you know they don't fire him or they don't force him out. I think he probably maybe just leaves and comes calling back to the NFL or something like that. Um, Drevno's a guy that I like, uh, but I have to be, you know, equal with him on Harbaugh as well about the offensive line, and I've been unhappy with that, and he's an offensive line guy, uh, and they even have another coordinator, that the, the guy they brought from Indiana last year to help the offensive line, so uh, they seem like they're dedicating the resources coaching-wise into that offensive line, and uh, we'll see. I'll, I'll give Drevno more time before I really think they need to go replace him. I, I'm not at the point where I think they should go replace him right away. But he's definitely on the hot seat, and I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, he because the offense was so pedestrian this year, I think you have to put him on the, the warm seat. A warm seat. Warm seat. Just a little, nice. just kind of comfortable. Like you've been sitting in the same chair for like five or six hours. Just a little warm. So you're starting to get uncomfortable and kind of fidget around? Yeah, I fidgeted. Uh, maybe you got some uh, wedgie uh, action type happening. Who knows? Mm. Uh, before we wrap up here, uh, a little note about the uh, upcoming bowl games. And obviously there's a really exciting week of college football a bummer, Michigan's not a part of it, but uh, a lot of crazy things can happen here to decide the college football playoff this weekend. Uh, you have a game with Auburn and Georgia. Whoever wins that is potentially in. Uh, a game between, between Miami and Clemson. Whoever wins that is potentially in. Uh, Oklahoma playing TCU. Uh, if Oklahoma wins, they're 
in for sure. If they lose, TCU might get in. Uh, a game with Wisconsin and Ohio State with Wisconsin winning, they're in. Ohio State wins. Some other things need to happen. And then you have this uh, floater in Alabama with one loss. Uh, some people say they're already in. And, and then the case that we made, uh, you know, do you put a conference champion over them even if they have an extra loss? So it's a uh, it's interesting. I think this is probably the most unpredictable Final Four you can have uh, in the first four years here of the playoff. But I'm going to ask you to predict it. Even though it's unpredictable, uh, give me who you think are the four teams in the college football playoff come January. Clemson over Miami, so they'll get in. I'm going to pick Wisconsin to beat Ohio State just because I feel like Ohio State's really not up to their snuff and Wisconsin has a good enough defense to really shut them down. I'm worried about that offense, but I think they can do it. I have to go with Georgia over Auburn, and I think Oklahoma will will fend off TCU, and those would be your four teams. I think there's going to be not really much of a big uh, upset, uh, like a big change of events with with. Uh, Alabama, and the only reason is they lost the wrong game. They could have lost a few weeks ago and been fine, but I don't think they're going to put a Georgia team that has one loss below Alabama, despite that Alabama might be the actual better team still. They lost the wrong game, and I think it's uh, all going to be basically the champions, and that's how it should be. And um, Ohio State's looking in from the outside, so is Alabama. Everyone's saying Alabama, and they have them right now listed at seven in the college football rankings. So Alabama, they have, you know, so I, I don't know if Alabama was, is going to squeak in there. The one that I could see losing, I could see Wisconsin losing to Ohio State. But in that case, then you might maybe see Alabama in, into the Final Four. But I don't know. I think that's, I think that's the results. Yeah, I think I agree with you on uh, if you win your conference, you should be in. I think that by switching from a four-team to an eight-team playoff, you can really solve some of that. You know, just have if you win your conference, you're in. Uh, out of the but big, it's more complicated even after that, though. I know there's a lot of coaches that want an eight, eight-team and sixteen and all, all that stuff, but it gets more complicated after that too. So there's always going to be these problems. Oh, if yeah. anyone thought there was going to be less problems with four more teams, it's going to be double the problems. Yeah, I agree with that. I do think it's a shame, though, if a team wins their conference and doesn't get in. Uh, that's just what I'll say about that. Uh, I think it's this weekend might be crazy. Uh, I have Clemson, Georgia, Wisconsin, and Alabama. Uh, I think that TCU will upset Oklahoma, but they will put Alabama in ahead of TCU because NCAA just bones TCU any chance they get. Uh they did it to them a couple of years ago when they put Ohio State in. I think it was the first one when Ohio State got in, and then they won the national title. Uh, TCU yep. was probably more deserving of them to get in. Uh, but, I mean, <laughs> they're an easy target. They're a small, smaller school than the rest, and the fan base is not quite as big. So I'm going to go ahead and predict that TCU will get boned once again. Uh and they'll slide the one-loss Alabama team in ahead of them. I think there's potential for some crazy shit to happen, though. Uh, 
I mean, stuff can go down where there's three two-loss teams in the in the final four. Uh, if Auburn wins, they're in. Uh, TCU wins, they got two losses. If um, Ohio State wins, they got two losses. Uh, and then who knows? I think this is uh, a pretty crazy result, and uh, I'm interested. I'm not going to watch the show or anything, but you know, when I get the update on my phone that the four teams are in, I'll I'll be interested to see uh, you know who got left out and what fan base is, is pissed. And I just got a feeling that uh, they're not going to want to piss off these Alabama fans and and these SEC pundits that have uh, power and influence on these uh, committee members might uh, find a way to slide in Alabama no matter what. So uh, I guess uh, time will tell. It'll play out this weekend and, and next week. Um, I do want to propose this. Once the bowl games come out, I think we should make a friendly wager on uh, every bowl game. We'll, we'll make our predictions and we'll see uh, we'll see what happens and the winner should have to uh, provide the loser with something. I, I, can, I think that's a great idea. Beverages may be on the line. I think that's We're not going to get too in-depth, are we? Are we going to go too in-depth where we're like, you know, like ESPN does, like the 1 through 30? I ain't doing that. No. That's why I actually no, no. don't do those bowl games because of that reason. We will, uh, we'll just, well, what do you mean 1 through 30? Like, does that mean? Yeah, like most, most important, like what's your, oh. you know, No, no, no. We I will, hate that. We'll just go every game, who we think is going to win, who we think is going to lose. Uh, right. If and then we'll do a tiebreaker of some sort. Sounds good. All right, cool. We'll, we'll, we'll play. We'll play one side of tennis. <laughs> we'll play one game of pickup basketball. <laughs> <laughs> That's better. I like that. Or pickleball. Pickleball. Oh man, there you go. I've been clamoring to play pickleball for months now. Since high school, man. I, I killed my, <laughs> my my whole uh, your Achilles high school in that. Yeah, well, like, well, I couldn't play tennis to save their life. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's cleaners, and I didn't even need to. <laughs> I mean, it's a flashy kind of game, man. You want to pull out those trick shots and pickleball. <laughs> uh, I didn't need to do anything else. So. <laughs> Remember, yeah, you can check out the podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Music Store. Follow us on Twitter at, at Team Rhino Tweets. Uh, for Chris, I was Steven. Stay tuned, guys. <laughs>